Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 14th of July, 2019. I get lots of email from people across the planet telling me how they're, they're doing and what they're up to and so on. And it's good to see people uh, who can make plans in different countries and follow them through when the weather is okay. But this is July here, where I am in Canada, Northern Ontario, and I'm still in kind of a, a delayed action, I guess, or reaction, because it's only been a, really, when you think about it, the snow was here from last September, all the way through without a break, didn't, you know, into into May. And I've only had a few weeks of this, and you're right into, into summer. Just like, boom, there you are. And you, you've lost all that. No spring, basically. It's astonishing to, 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 to really see that, that how fast the time is flying through. But then you, you've just lost, you know, almost half the year with snow here in Canada. It's astonishing when you think back on it and see how it really is. Of course, that's not really a good way to be, especially last winter where... I was on the roof more and shoveling in, in the long, 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 long driveway. It's over 150 feet long altogether. Uh, pretty well every day. I, I, I couldn't even get much work done any other way except uh, just pure survival getting that snow off because uh, different people around the areas were losing their roofs with the, the constant daily heavy accumulation of snow that was falling. So uh, because of global warming, of course, but uh, there you go. I haven't quite learned to accept my indoctrination yet. But but there you go, it's, it's, it's just time is flying. And remember, I mean, last September, as I say, the snow fell. I just got the snow tires on the vehicle, and the snow fell, and it stayed all through. I got accumulated, 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 no melts, and, the, and the, there's no January thaw. This journey, is, hopefully, you sometimes get two weeks Whereas it gets suddenly mild and it, it melts quite a bit and then back to the snow for the rest of the winter. So I didn't even get that. So you get your, you get your snow tires off and literally you're, you're pretty well in summer. And this is July and, and you've got about two months and then you're back with putting the snow tires on again in September. It's astonishing. It really is, isn't it? At least my life is anyway. Because I tend to go off nod tangents and what I'm thinking about and I always have throughout my life I suppose but I don't see time the same way as most people do I see it in different ways actually I like different levels of it the whole time aspect of living and it's almost a, a continuity of people from the past year. I can get into their stories from the past and the histories of the past and put them together in time aspects as well. But it also helps, it helps you to, to reconstruct, again, reconstruct the past in a sense and understand what you were really feeling as you went through things. Really feeling, and not just the history book stuff, but what the average pet person must have been, been thinking. And then you can also see what's predicted for the future when you look at the present. We've had a window, you might say, of mass declarations by those who rule us all, then that the real intelligence at the top, they're full-time professionals, the big think tanks of them, and, and academia and all the rest of it on board with it, the, 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 the ones who manage our minds, the mind managers, as I call them. 
and they're rather open about where they're taking it all and how they're training us lifelong from birth to death now into the culture that they want you to have uh, with all the, the, the new normals and, 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 and things which are taboo that you can't think, even never mind say, but you can't even think because you're going to get, they're going to pick up on it uh, with technologies and penalize you for it. It's quite amazing, isn't it? You, you, we never have had a break for a long time, maybe ever actually, from this thing called civilization, which is really a cover for what they call progress. But, and yes, at all levels, it's a formal progress. In other words, slavery today is not as bad as it was 100 years ago. But we have wage slaves. We still have slavery, uh, very much so, in a sense, when folks are enslaved to debt. It's the same thing. You still, you still have debt slavery, and that's what you used to have in, in ancient times. You can, see, you can read about it in ancient times, how they got into bondage, because you put yourself down, your, whole, your body down, to pay it off uh, if anything went wrong, which you'd borrowed. And you become a bonds person, being a slave. And it was so bad, in fact, that, 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 that if, you, if you had children, if you put yourself in bondage, then your children wife went with you. And any, any more children born into to that was, was now the property of the, the debt holder. But that's a, a whole different topic. I don't want to go in there. What I'm saying is we've never really had a break for, to, 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 of real, real honesty and for the individual to experience anything at all, except maybe... Maybe, literally, uh, when we were all serfs, that was the closest you had to a bit of freedom, even though you are bought and sold with the land in, in places like Britain. And you were. You were a peasant. A villain, as they called you. A real Down there, you, you could be trusted, yada, yada, yada. But then, if, if you lived, most folk lived uh, on, for the big manors on area, and the lords in area, and then these little places did farm and so on for, for the lord, and they were left so much crops for themselves to survive on just, generally, not always. Sometimes they didn't allowed to starve to death if the Lord himself owed, owed more to, to his upper Lord, his whole tiered system, them, all the way up to royalty. Or if he wanted more money from exporting even, even in the Middle Ages, they would just take more and more from the serf, you see. But then I was thinking to myself, they had old series of life in the Middle Ages and life on the uh, manor type thing or whatever it happened to be, but... At least some people, they weren't watched with cameras everywhere they went. We are. And, and we've been trained to accept it as quite normal. That really would have boggled the mind to people like 50 years ago. The, the, the total accept. See how easily it is to train people into being obedient again and, and uh, being dominated by a group above you who decided to, to survey you all the time, huh? Isn't that something? You can't survey them, but they can, they can surveil you. And you think you're free. It's, it, these are all interesting questions to me and questions and answers and debates and all that. We're managed by high-tech industries. We, we, and even, even now, they admit that they've even put cameras in trees just like Orwell had in 1984. 
They don't want you being having it be a solitude anywhere. And that, that ridiculous movie, The Circle, the end result of it was that, that, that it was good to have be surveilled everywhere you went to, even in canoes in a river somewhere or a lake, and you'd always be safe because something's watching you. Well, there's that little bit in humanity of freedom, and you can't get it unless you're totally free for a little while of being on completely on your own. Maybe that will freak a lot of people out now. And I must admit, in my lifetime, I must admit, I have met people in, in the big cities who've been raised in the big cities who have said to me that they're terrified. That they'd be terrified to live in the country, for instance. All the things that could go wrong, all the, all the ifs and what, what ifs and so on. It does terrify them. It's only when you really see that they're dead serious about this that there are different kinds of people, different temperaments with different likes and dislikes and so on. But then the folk in the country know what I'm talking about too because it's not like a walk in the park in a city. Even there you're getting watched. They have cameras everywhere because of the crime rates and so on nowadays and drugs, etc. and gangs. But in the country, those who are pre-surveillance society, we know what I'm talking about too. In all the countries you've crossed Europe, occasionally you could go somewhere and you had that sudden, it's a sudden uh, feeling that you get when you realize you're, you're on your own. You're on your own. Uh, you didn't have cell phones with you, you see. And uh, you weren't scared about it either. Uh, but it's suddenly you're on your own. It's a very important thing to have. And to experience, and, and experience as frequently as you can. You're a different creature when you're on your own with no, no electronics. And you're in amongst forest or whatever it happens to be, or country, nature, or hills or whatever. And uh, you, you, you know what I'm talking about, those who have done it. It's, it's a sense of real freedom. Real freedom. That's the closest you're going to get to be in touch with nature, as they call it. It's, it's very, very true. And those who used to study the, 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 the 19th century occult methods, for instance, uh, understand that too, because they, 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 they understood the necessity of quietness occasionally, dead, complete quietness from man-made noises. Once again, you're, you're, you're a, a human being in amongst nature, but there's no man-made noises. There's no, you're not got a Walkman on your head or the latest thing or the MP3 player, whatever it happens to be. You had none of that, but you could hear nature around you. There's a sound in nature. There's a sound of, of even off the trees as, as breezes go through them and so on. Everything has a sound. And insects have sounds too, en masse. That feeling is a timeless feeling that you experience. That, that's, the, that's the point of it, is timeless. Timeless. And very important to, to snap yourself out of conditioning that you have from your, your, your daily drudge routine in any era, actually. And just experience, you, you experience what's there on your own. And, and that's so important. Yeah, as I say, some people in the cult mentioned that too. Yeats was really into that. That necessity for total, total silence from other people and sounds of, of humanity for a while. It's, it does something to you, and it, it's the most relaxing thing there is naturally. 
But today we're, we're, we're pretty well absent of it. We don't just have uh, the problem of man-made technology interfering everywhere, everywhere. It's not enough that you had all the wired technology. Now it's all it's pretty well wireless and Wi-Fi and, and cell towers and so on. And they understand this. A lot of countries now admit to and accept the fact that many people have, have sensitivity to the Wi-Fi. It, it's, it, it doesn't exist naturally in nature, so not the power strengths that it is and, the, free, and the, the constant same frequencies that are put up now. And your, your, your brain is being strobed by it all the time. I don't like it myself. And I feel it myself. I, I know a lot of people who feel it too. And if I'm with them and it's switched on somewhere, I, you, you can both feel it at the same time. So you, you feel it in your scalp, actually. It's like the, the ends of your, you see where your hairs come out of your head. You actually feel it like a static. It's strange. And they have lots of documentation on what it does to people too. I would say that the, the greatest harm of anything, anything at all, is when you don't feel something and, and you get no choice in the matter. That's, that's it too. In this day and age, we're not given the choices and, and pretty well anything, never mind what you're going to believe or, or think or whatever, or what your opinion is. Everything now is down to politics and, and uh, sociology, where you've been told what, you, what, what opinions are good, what ones are bad, uh, what likes are good and what dislikes are bad, etc., etc., etc. It's very, it's, it's authoritarian, of course, very authoritarian. And it, it, uh, it's completely intolerant, intolerant. Of free thought to this to the stage as I'm saying before, where they don't want you to have the ability to even think it to yourself. I hope you understand this is no exaggeration uh, that I'm talking about here. The data that's collected on all of us now the twenty four hours a day is being analyzed by countless supercomputers. And, and, and you're broken up into so many fragments of you uh, and of your personality and, and your, your, your impulses and temperament, etc., etc. Because it's awfully important. And you think this is all to do with that. Do you really believe this is all to do with advertising? Do you honestly fall for that one? I don't think you understand what we're living in here, what this world is at the moment. This world has been through centuries of planned revolution. Things didn't just happen by themselves. You, you'll find that even for, the, for the, the creation of the industrial era, the groups of, of people involved in it, those who had the finances, number one at the top, you had the Lunar Society, for instance, who met in London every month. And you had the financiers of the time met there, you had the technicians of the day and engineers of the day who worked on, on technology and steam engines, things like that. And they formed these clubs. They talked about the changes that would cross in society. They understood it. Because technology of any kind alters behavior and, and to the extent of a completely different way of living, for instance. Before the Industrial Revolution, you didn't need the bulk of the population to be in and around the cities 
where they were throwing up factories to the edges of the cities and putting these squalid conditions and buildings, uh, these terrible cheap buildings, and they throw the and they stuff these these peasants into it. But before they didn't need that, you see, in an agricultural system, the folk were scattered across the land in a more natural setting. And yes, they were serfs most of the, most of them. As I say, they had a little bit more freedom in their daily activities. And no, it was nice either for a lot of them. When they went into the cities, and they became servants. That's that was a terrible system. It was very cruel. They have they even have diaries of maids, and other and, and male staff as well. But the maids that were going for the for the lower middle class apartments that they had. You see them in say like Edinburgh and London. These type of, these apartments in the main the main drags basically. And some of them were even basement ones, the, the, the lower middle class were. And they maybe have a cut two or three rooms, but they'd actually hire a maid to take care of them. And, and they'd beat these maids. And some of the maids actually wrote about it. It's just terrible, terrible, terrible. The class distinction where you're treated like a, a different creature altogether. Yeah, that's how they saw it. Terrible, disgusting system. And that was the normal. But the thing is, the, the folk in the country uh, for a long, long time had more time to think and talk and, and be part of nature as, as, as it was, of course. For the, the real industrial age, it was to change. Then came the railroads, of course, big time, and the big engines. They could then drive factories, and, and came electricity after that, too. So all these different kinds of energy opened up new markets for, for mass, and, mass uh, production. And everybody was at it and exporting their stuff and, and having wars over it too because the elites owned every, everything and basically they ruled the, they owned the countries as far as they were concerned. And, and they did. They were concerned that way. That's how they saw the countries. It was theirs. And uh, that's why Queen Victoria said she'd never rule over a democracy. It was an unthinkable thing. This strange thing called Winston Churchill talked about when he was a young man who brought it into the country, even complained about them, and it seemed farcical because it had a slightly different meaning and understood the meaning, and eventually became it was actually used for the communist revolutions as well. The same terminology. But anyway, we're living through constant change, and the constant change is planned. And today you have uh, the, the high-tech giants, of course, that are placed before you as something superhuman to an extent. I remember reading some of Stuart Brandt's articles and seeing some interviews he had, too, on what he did. You know, he, he was actually in the, up with, the, with the behavior modification groups and so on. Uh, they were helping to create culture back in the 60s and 70s. And he was targeted by the Unabomber at one point, because Brandt was one of them. But this guy was, was really into media, and a media consultant, behavioral consultant to an extent too. And John Brockman, a contemporary of Brandt, part of his job was creating stars with even scientists. And I've mentioned before that there's a massive machinery makes stars. You think it happens by itself. It doesn't. That's, that's a gimmickry. Everything you do is show business is show. It's a show. It's not real. But it's a business. And everything it gives you about, even the personalities or people involved in it, is a show for the business as well. 
and part of the of the machinery to make folk stars is to is to as I say is to, is to elevate them up. Lots of publicity, big money goes behind it to make this happen, and even outrageous anything outrageous like smashing hotel rooms used to be the big thing in the sixties and seventies for for rock groups and so on. But again, it elevates them. Lots of lots of publicity. You see, that's what the whole thing was about. Well, you do the same thing with even scientists. And entrepreneurs that are going to put out with front people, like John Brockman said they would. Brockman also said traditional American intellectuals are, in a sense, increasingly reactionary, and quite often proudly and perversely ignorant of many of the truly significant intellectual accomplishments of our time. Throughout history, only a small number of people have done the serious thinking for everybody. I would add that today it's more blatant than ever that that's exactly so. I don't think you realize that this is what you're seeing about Epstein today. All points, we all know this. And, and there's lots of people querying, uh, what is this Epstein character? Because there's so little on him, except he's awfully incredibly wealthy. Uh, with hedge funds, etc., supposedly. And yet, you don't come from nothing into Bairn Stearns for a few years and then become a multi-billionaire. It's just, just, just too short a time. There are people in the world who are made into star symbols for a much bigger organization in the world. A, one, as a single organization that runs intelligence services, everything. Do you think, really, do you really think all the massive coordination, the incredible money that went in over the last 50 years into to budding computerism from the old days to the present time, do you think that all happened by itself and little guys, little entrepreneurs? Do you really believe that? Just like the, the entrepreneurs for the Industrial Revolution, uh, you would find many of the people who held the ownerships of small businesses across the industrial countries were really in parts of cartels that with people way above them, like holding companies, that, just like the, the banking boys too today, have holding companies of hundreds, sometimes thousands of, co- of companies that they own underneath them. They've never visited them even. They just own them. And everybody below them does all the work. The last thing that power wants, and you find this with some of the entrepreneurs of the past, so-called entrepreneurs, these front people like Rockefeller, who was involved in so much. You know, you're given the usual <clears throat> story about them. They're just thrifty with their pennies and all that nonsense, you know. I don't care how thrifty you are with your pennies. You have to belong to something to be protected to that extent to even be allowed to accumulate incredible wealth, but you must also be brought into the circles where that is allowed to happen. And then you become a front. And very wealthy, but you'll be a front person. Because one thing that he did give away, of many things he did give away, he says, and he, he, wasn't, he wasn't making a joke, he wasn't being facetious. He, he said that competition is a sin. Competition is a sin. He said in a different way what many of the world revolutionaries of his day were saying, like H.G. Wells, who in his writings, and even in all of H.G. Wells' 
fictional works, never mind his non-fiction, but his, even his fictional work was about uh, the problems in society. You know, Mr. Everyman has, comes out of school, wonders what he's going to do, and he wants to marry so-and-so, and, and how does he get uh, money to get married? He, he becomes a, a bike repair man, you see? And he opens up a little shop, Mr. Everyman, in every street, etc., marries Mrs. Every Woman, and, and becomes one of the little people in every street. And... But then what happens is someone across this, comes, opens across the street and becomes a bicycle. It's a competition. And so what do you do then? And you lower your prices and you blah, 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 blah. And that's what he was on about, that competition is a sin. We live in a regulated world, incredibly well regulated. When you're going into a new, a new world order, and don't laugh at it. This is standard historical terminology, isn't it? Going to oh, many any university textbook, New World Order. Look at the YouTubes on, on who said it in the past. Listen to them saying it. They say it. Leaders of countries say it. So a, a New World Order is, is to be different than anything that was here before. Completely different. And, and it's a world where science dominates today. All sciences the social sciences, the experts running us all, the behaviorists running us all. And we're all run for the benefit of, of what? We're run by the dialectic process. For every problem you have in society, you've got almost churned out like a machine that churns out leaders for every faction that will set up. Well, I believe this and I believe that. I'm for this and I'm against that. They'll, they'll give you the leaders. They're churning them out all the time. They churn them out. And they can give, get lots of factual information because they take the stuff that's put out by people who have nothing to grind, no axes and no bones to grind, and, and they, they use that stuff. They know what people are chatting or thinking about, and, and they'll grab it all, and, and they, they'll get fantastic backing to put it out there. And then, then you'll start following them. It's just too easy for you for, for, to be done. It's t- old stuff, very old, but it's too easy, you see. And we've never lived in, in, a, in a time when there really has been freedom. You've, you've always had these battles going on, even with newspapers in the past. That's why you had mu- uh, newspaper cartels. And Carl Quigley, who, who was all for this new system we're coming into, and who worked for it, and, and he trained civil servants for, for the State Department in the U.S. in what was to come and gave them a higher reality than he put, even put in his books of where it was all supposed to go. He's all for it, and he was a member of the CFR, of course, and, and flirted with the trilaterals too, but he was also the historian for a while. They have their own separate history of his, and he said that. He took over from Alfred Zimmerman, that had been a historian for a long time, who was also one of the top communists, by the way. They don't care what they call themselves at the top. Because the goal is for a, a, a socialistic control over all of society, run by experts, just like communism had always planned to do, but never quite got there, you know. And what we have today is a super, the super communism system, where they don't even need a physical revolution for it now. All, all those revolutions have been done. In the West, they use the sexual revolution, the destruction of family units, all the same tenets of, of communism. 
and then the state taken over to, to, to take care of the chaos and the fallout from it all. It's all been done pretty well. Uh, but now you're into the training side of it. Aside, they knew it would come. As I said, the old Red Bishop of, of, um, of, of Britain at one time, he was a, I can't remember if he was an Archbishop, but I've got his book somewhere. But 1940s, he, he literally talked about lifelong education. And I read his book, and I'm still slapping my head, saying, what is he getting at here? Lifelong education will be the norm. Because I knew that the most folk, once they've been through school and, and, and the working class system, they don't want to go back to school and, and uh, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, it didn't make, So he, he wasn't talking about going back to school. Although he did mention that eventually they'd bring in retraining. What they meant literally it was lifelong training of each person right till you die. They, they would take away the, your ability to choose what you wanted, to, to know even. And think about, etc. You'd be given a set of choices where all, all safe choices to pass your time, to play with, like not reading novels and so on. But in reality, you were always going to be shaped and, and put along a certain path of thinking. Everybody in, in the, the nation of Britain, or the country of Britain, or the kingdom of Britain, whatever you might call it, would, would go through the same process. And then everybody in the world would go through it too. It seems so far-fetched that most folk couldn't quite grasp it. And at that time, they thought it was more communistic, a communistic type thing, because only the, the communists at that time were using the Pavlovian techniques in the school and, and the, the, using the, all different techniques for conditioned responses that would come from the students through indoctrinated processes. Going back to, to World War II and when they glorified Stalin, remember, and Everybody forgets that all the agents in the West, and there's so much, they've even made movies of glorifying them now, some of them uh, in Britain, uh, that, that were total communists and Stalinists, and they're trying to get Britain to stop going to fight Germany at the time too, because Stalin had the, the, the pact with Germany at the time to invade Poland and other countries, and that was okay there as long as Stalin was on board with it. But, but the thing is, FDR's wife, Eleanor Roosevelt, talks about it when she came back from visiting Stalin. How wonderful it was to meet her hero, Stalin. And her bigger hero of the communist system was Pavlov. And she met him because she'd read all his stuff of conditioning, 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 until people wouldn't be able to break the conditioning, just like the dogs, in a sense, that he kept shocking. He was such a wonderful man. But he also had techniques to, to literally make it almost unthinkable. Children would eventually have nervous breakdowns if they tried to break the conditioning. Do you understand what was going on then? And they used it in the schooling system to produce... Here's the key to it. The word standardized, conformed, standardized students that would be like, like almost like the nearest thing to clone to each other and what they would think, do, say, and believe. Well, when you see those same things going on today, you better be rather worried, I think, because this is being promoted from the top down and from the tech giants and all the rest of it. It didn't happen by itself. At the top, you've got the, the financing units of the planet who can crush anybody, nations, and even tech giants if they want to. There's definitely a, a system that no one dares touch 
and below it comes all the scientific and the worker groups that manages all, you see? The things that, that, that Aldous Huxley talked about and Julian Huxley talked about. A scientific class that would work for the dominant minority at the top and manage all the rest of us in a more perfect fashion to suit those who ruled us all. And to do so, everybody had to be perfectly predictable. That's the, what's the key to it all. That's what the, the old red um, bishop was on about. It really is something to, to watch it all happen. And, and, and it's only when you live through the, these, a lot of these things or, or see them unfold and the techniques that are used, you understand what it all means. It isn't coincidence that people long before that, that one in Britain was pushing the agenda and talking about it, lifelong training, where it would eventually become impossible. But not long after him, you have Bertrand Russell saying the same thing, unconditioning. And Bertrand Russell was meeting with the international groups as well. They were formed during World War II, some of them, or at least he came out in the open then. And, and, and they all worked together to create a new culture for the West. And they were given authority by prime ministers and by presidents to do so. Your present culture didn't arrive by itself. The sexual revolution didn't happen by itself. It was made to happen by the same people who first gave you the technological revolutions long ago, mechanical, you know, and then, then the present high-tech revolutions. And they give you the stars to follow as well. They, they'll give you the front people you're supposed to worship, like John Brockman said they do. They, they were, his job was to elevate scientists and industrialists and financiers and to star status. Because at that stage, they would train society to worship those who had such power and money. A basic, basic human response to, to power and money. They understood this, you see. And Bertrand Russell also said in the 1940s and, and, you know, that he said with, with the proper conditioning, perfect conditioning, and raising the children, he says, you know, into adulthood. He was talking about the, 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 the different behaviors, techniques they knew about, perfectly well and studied and so on. Constant experimentation with, with Skinner and all the rest of them what they could do, and Pavlov, etc. They, 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 and they all shared these, these experiments, this, this information. Isn't that odd, too, through the whole Cold War, uh, that, that once the behaviorists and scientists never, ever lapsed in their exchange of data with each other on how to control everybody? You know, you think that's a bit odd, huh? that that's allowed? You start to see other things, other realities here, perhaps. But Russell said that eventually, with the proper conditioning from childhood, he said that it's impossible for sheep to complain about the price of mutton as for the people to literally complain about their servitude and, and their domination, basically. And they couldn't revolt against it any more than the sheep could. But the terminology is awfully important. He says, it's unthinkable, he said. It's unthinkable a sheep complaining about the price of mutton. You couldn't, you, you'd be so conditioned through Pavlovian techniques and guilt reflexes and all the rest of it, just kick in, kick in, kick in, you see? That's what he meant by it. Total conditioning. The, the ability to cross that line 
and, and to click and see things and, and your own state of affairs would be impossible. Last week I talked about something similar, it's like almost a continuation of it, because this is the crux of the whole matter, isn't it? We didn't get to where we are today by itself. The people you're supposed to follow is, is somehow almost godlike creatures. Huh? They're put for you to worship, and, and I mean that in the media. The names, the big names, you know, aren't who you think they are. And they're, they're not self-made as they say they are. This is for total control. It's for you that you must believe all that stuff. You take even a few articles from, from this past week's newspapers on, say, uh, the Epstein case, where they're questioning, is this an intelligence operation? I mean, even the school he taught at for a couple of years, he had no qualifications to even teach there. Who put him there? Why did they put him there? Was he being sussed out? Was that part of a training for something down the road? Because he, what came out so far was some testimonies from some of the accusers, the women who were used as young children, which you are, if you're that young, you're a child. If, if, even if they think they know what they're doing, they're still children. You're not mature enough. But anyway, some of them said that, they, that Epstein debriefed them on, on the characters that they'd had, the, their little rendezvous with, you might say, and preferences and all that kind of thing. Well, that's the sort of stuff you would use for blackmailable purposes. It cost to ask them that, too, if that's what it was about, supposedly in his last trial. And, of course, it looks like that because you, you don't have, again, a massive operation at that scale Obviously being given impunity to do what he did for so long. You understand a lot of folk had, be told, had to be told not to even look into this. <laughs> and there was not do their jobs for that to happen, that to continue. You understand? And everything was as blackmailable for, for very, what you would call VIP types. The ones who were put in as fronts for, for governing countries and things like that, and top civil servants. Anybody who's anybody in any kind of power authority uh, are the types that are going to uh, begin to flown all over the place with his jets. You know, the Lolita Express, as they nicknamed it. Very blackmailable. And then thousands and thousands of... Well, I'm sure they know who all these girls are. And don't kid yourself, the FBI didn't know the last time who all these girls were. Thousands and so on. And had quiet visits with them, except unless we're told to stay away. I still think what's going to come out of the Epstein thing, it won't even be to do what you think it's going to be. If anything, it could very well be to go the next step in the big agenda. Because remember in 2001, uh, I talked about the, the meeting of, of big behaviorists and, and people who are employed as so-called censors on, for television and TV by the, the state. Every country has a, a kind of a quality type thing and what's suitable for, for people to watch, etc. And I used to think that that's, their job was to, 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 maybe it was at one time, was to actually make sure it was pretty clean and the whole thing for everybody. But actually, that changed long ago. But in 2001, they met. And they, had, they actually discussed that and said that that is a job is already pushed the envelope to the next step. But they mentioned where they wanted to go with it all. 
for the culture industry. And they did mention that eventually they wanted to lower the age of sexual consent. And they would also eventually bring the world to bestiality, by the way. Uh-huh. And look, at these were, these were professors had articles in the paper about it, who attended it, who were all for it. You've got to think of these things. Why would they, they go for a guy who's obviously, obvi- I really have said this before, I think even intelligence systems of a few countries, the so-called Five Eyes, and you could add another one on it too, perhaps. But the, but the fact is, you could not stop people from infiltrating them in this day and age. It's impossible. You can't do it because you come from a different country. Or you can't do it because of a, a religion. You couldn't do it because of... of um, or even, in fact, you could even stop them coming in to join on, on even in social grounds what their belief system was. For Could it be even common? You couldn't stop that. You couldn't stop it for, for racial reasons because you'd be racist, you see. So you, you can't stop people from coming in. And In old days, it was bad enough, say, in the 1800s when you saw what was happening in Europe and in Britain and so on. They, they, had, they, were, they had literally, it, it was from the aristocracy that they, they, they brought these guys to Secret Service at one time because oh, they're from good blood, you see, and uh, we, we know who they are, their parents are, etc., etc. So that's all gone by the wayside. So you, you honestly, so in other words, what you're looking at is a combined force at the top, obviously. Obviously. Combined. And one of the biggest jobs that they have is the ability to blackmail people and coerce people and force them to do things and work for them. And that's in the newspapers as they sit and debate this and what ifs, etc., waiting to see what kind of plea bargaining will come up or whatever. But I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it... If, if they debate the so-called advancement in sexuality with younger people in this day and age with, with the pornography, getting taught in school, a very, even pre-puberty you now, you know. And the fact, they, they'll, and they'll use cases uh, where judges have actually dismissed cases, where, like it was Brazil and Argentina, where young girls have been used for sex by adults, maybe like 13 or whatever. And the judges says, well, they, were, they, were, they knew what they were doing. You understand? This is where they want to go with this. This is where they want to go with it all. And they'll say, well, what child today doesn't understand what sex is about, even before they, they are uh, into puberty in this day and age? And they'll debate it. with it. That's what lawyers are for, is to change reality again, and, you know, and to change laws. I wouldn't be surprised. And the fact that they claim that they, t- they gave them money, again, you, now you have the legal side of, oh, well, you see, that's a transaction and blah, blah, blah. And I can see them pushing for that too. You wait and see. You wait and see, yeah. Because there's no way an intelligence agency is going to dismiss all and, and ex- expose to the public everything they've found out with it, but you know, whose, whose photographs have been taken, blah, 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 blah. Because all the stuff that they've got is blackmailable. It's, uh, that's, more, that's worth more th- th- than solid gold for, for directing the shape of the world with important people involved in it in compromised situations. So I can't see them giving that up, regardless of what agency or combined agency it happens to be, but it's definitely something protecting it. And no one, as I say, no one can even... E- even, uh, I think Patterson is a guy who did a book 
on the last case with Epstein, and he's, they had private detectives trying to find out how this guy had even made his money to get started. They couldn't find anything at all. It's, it's so secret. Well, that's how front people and multi-million billionaires are made out of something else that exists. Across the board, folks, you're giving your stars to follow. And then just like Einstein was put into a star status from nothing really, and folks started to quote him and folks started to follow him because he, all he talked about was politics for a long time and world government type systems and so on. For those who don't know, he was one of the first ones they made a scientist, made him into a star, you see. Well, it didn't stop there. I'm off this, the topic in a sense, but maybe, maybe not. It's, it's all connected. Everything is connected in this. I'm trying to show you how you should really question you know, all of this. This was, was given to you as, as at face value as your reality. And think about what you're following or who you're following. Look at all the NGOs. There are these armies of them now. They're all in the same, isn't it rather odd that they're all, no matter what they claim they're for, they're all for the same major things. Uh, total control of the environment, etc., to save the world and global warming. And they're all, isn't that strange? They're all for you all to be taxed to death just for the privilege of living on the planet. And they're all for that carbon taxes to go through the, big, the biggest bankers in the world's banking, private banks. To make me even richer and richer and richer. Isn't it rather odd, eh? Where if they weren't getting all that funding, I think they'd be more radical for, for opposite things, for more freedoms and rights and, and more cash left to themselves to live on, maybe. Huh? I can remember one of the biggest global meetings that they had when they were doing all these, these the globalist meetings. They called them globalism meetings. And they'd riots at them as folk would turn up and to demand they stop globalization. And students from all over would turn up at these ones. And they had uh, some in Canada, some in the States, and other ones in exotic places that, so that you couldn't get there. The folk were, were demanding that they stop using third world countries to make all the products cheaply, to get massive profits, etc. And the work was all going from our countries until we can't make anything anymore. There's nothing. The, the factories are all gone through the free trade agreements that you, the people you vote for all signed to leave your shores, by the way. They don't work for you. The politicians don't work for you, folks. They don't. The work all went abroad to China. It was all prearranged. I did stacks of talks on it as it was happening. I put up all the PDFs they put out for the, on the free trade agreements and blah, blah, blah. And how we financed the factories to move there and to get set up. And how we paid for any claimed losses for 15 to 30 years of our tax money. And watching all the folk getting laid off in their own countries with no work to go to. How quickly have folk have forgot? This isn't ancient history. This is recent. So people should really question why suddenly... These pro mass protest groups, I can remember the very one that they had in the States, the last one, the globalization meeting. And I even did the, the, the talk on it and the show on it where 
one of the top people involved, a top international politician, went down into the streets and uh, and said, look, look, you're all yelling to stop the globe. What is it you actually want? And the, the cameras were there, the broadcast on television. They, they couldn't verbalize what they actually wanted. All they knew was an emotional thing. They wanted to stop this 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 drain of work from your own country to foreign shores. And for the top politicians and other investors that are making incredible fortunes of it from doing what they were doing. They couldn't verbalize what they wanted done instead. That was incredible. But what they did, and they actually had a little documentary on one of the, 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 the stations in Canada at the time, where the same politician brought, said, we'll have to bring some of you up, some of your leaders up, into this, this globalization. And it eventually became part of the WEF, by the way, World Economic Forum. And so we'll bring you on, your leaders on board with us, and they can, they can be with And then they started throwing the grants at them for the top echelons of these NGOs. Big paychecks. Oh, now you're taking it. Could you just maybe stop pushing and complain about that and, and then complain about this instead? And before you knew it, they're all on board with the whole agenda. How easy it is for folk to forget. All they see is, is NGOs have changed their names often, better funded today than they even were, than they used to be. And they're all on board rioting in the streets for save the world, pay carbon taxes. You know, stop heating your homes, blah, 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 blah. Hmm, hmm, hmm. That's what you're living through. And what they use, and they say it too, and they did from an early, early stage. What they use is emotive terminology to get them riled up. It's all emotion. And, and oh, incredible statements like that the earth's going to die you know, and perish in a couple of years if we don't if we don't pay the money now, it's like a ransom. <laughs> you know, pay up or else. Scary scenarios. The guys at the top of all these organisations, I've got them, and I've read, I've done talks. Go into the archives at cuttingfromirius dot com, and maybe you could put a donation in there while you're at it. And remember, you can send cash or checks. And there's PayPal there, and there's other methods of paying. And there's also international postal money orders you can send, which are a cheap way to do it, actually, from outside the country. And it may take a long. But you'll find in there the talks that I gave on that, but it was all happening. Whatever's here today, running your lives, with its new hidden masters, now in the open, as they called it, in the old days, you see, the old occultic days, where the, where the hidden masters would come forward they're, they're made to be front people, you see And you follow them Well, so-and-so said this Well, they're multi-billionaires They must know what they're talking about you know? <laughs> It's really something And now they're telling you how you must live Isn't that amazing, eh? And you, you believe them all Oh, foolish man What can you not be made to believe? That's a quote from Adam Weishaupt But when he puts quite a few links up there on what I'm talking about tonight, perhaps. As I say, what I'm giving you is, is not preaching to the choir. I just don't give you sensationalism, you see, like some do. If you want sensationalism and something brand new, read, 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 read the media stories every day. Every day. 
There's all kinds out there. There's, there's stuff there. Again, you get a choice of about five different areas of what you want, how you want to be entertained. Most of it want entertainment. They don't want knowledge. And that's a big difference. They want entertainment. And they haven't got a clue of how they even got to where we are now. They don't even know the changes that they've adapted into in the last 10, even the last 10 years alone. They don't know. They couldn't verbalize it because they hadn't thought about it. They just adapt into it without thinking. There's a book out by a man called Bartlett, The People versus Tech, How the Internet is Killing Democracy. That was in 2018. And he said that digital technology may in fact be incompatible with democracy. He said in the coming few years, either tech will destroy democracy and the social order as we know it, or politics will stamp its authority over the digital world, he writes. An introduction to his book. I'll put the link up for those who want to have a, a look at the, his article. Anyway, it's, it's written up. And, um, and the guy was all gung-ho in previous uh, publications, but now he's, he's watching it. And he sees, of course... Uh, but he might not mention it as, as openly as I do of what the whole agenda is, but he sees the effect of a power system, which is, uh, because it is, it's a new way, it's a new system of control. All power, remember, is about control. And a power that can uh, control your speech, or what you think, or even your behavior can also withdraw privileges, as they want to call it. This world you're going into is a world of privileges, a privilege to, to have money or use a banking system or whatever, and they have the privilege and, and to, to, take, to punish you if, you if you have views which are added to their ever-expanding list, you see. This is the humanist dream of the social humanists, the movement itself, of total conditioning. It's, it's, it's um, Bertrand Russell's dream of punishing the people by withholding your credits so you can't pay your rent. You'd be down your knees to apologize and you'd have to do without until they turn it back on again. That's, this is all planned a long time ago, folks. And no one's going to stop it. Trump isn't going to step in. He might give his usual comments. He doesn't make it put any laws through. His, his com- comments aren't, aren't going to change. Any. This is for his punters to follow. So he'll get voted in again. I remember looking at all the, uh, look up if you want to, if you, if you care, most folk don't care, that's of opinions and they've already had sides and all that, and if it's not for what they want to see, they won't look it up. But for those who want to find out, look up how many orders in council that Obama put through, more than any president in history, sometimes dozens per day. They were put into effect and can work for two, three years before uh, the Congress can, can get, even get round to saying yes or no with them. That's how they're supposed to. And Trump, I don't think he's put any through. So, as I say, it's uh, it's a different world than the one you, you might perceive. What a person says is not law. As far as a president's concerned, he's giving uh, some kind of opinion to police folk who are complaining. Or what's happening? I get back to what I said about Epstein. Here is at least the front of an organization. Pro 
probably belonged to a much, much, much bigger organization. With ability, and this is what he's talking about, and De Costa, who, who apparently was involved in the last court case, you know, he said uh, that this is, um, they asked if it was an intelligence thing, because of the blackmail ability of, of the, the stuff that this guy had on people. Stop right there. You're all putting all your data up and chant each other and accepting the fact that the big, openly, super parental system now that's running your lives, they can punish you, they can cut you off. They can do a thousand things to you because, you see, there's nothing about you that's secret. You're putting all your data up there and it's just the same way you're all blackmailable. Well, why on earth? What is it that makes you think, oh, but that, that would never happen? What on earth makes you think that? You've read article after, after, after article for years on the incredible data collection that they've done. You've, you've seen article after article and probably watched television news casts about it, about um, Cambridge Analytica and, and all the other groups involved with them. And Facebook's got another fine, five billion, which is peanuts to them for using sources of data and that for other per- What do you think all this really is for, folks? So as they can sell you better advertising, do you really, really believe that? Everything is connected when it comes to this kind of thing. No. So anyway, I'll put this article up about uh, digital technology leading us to a new dark age. Put that one up. I'll put up also... This article is the second international summit on human genome editing held in Hong Kong last November. It was meant to debate the pros and cons of genetically engineering humans. Instead, the proceedings were turned upside down by the revelation that He Jiankyu, Chinese biophysicist, had already done it. He already engineered. So this is using the CRISPR technology, they call it. They can do gene editing, etc., and uh, it said here he'd, he'd already gone ahead and edited the DNA of twin girls with a powerful gene modification tool called CRISPR. Now, this is a, a, a balloon article, a trial balloon type, because they want to see how you respond or, or, or ignore this kind of thing. When you ignore things and you're quiet about the thing, you're acquiescent to, to the, the fact that this could be a legality for them to go ahead and use stuff here too, you see. Silence connotes consent. But this article is from MIT on it. Now that ties back in to Bertrand Russell's talks on the impact of science and society. When he talks about uh, controlling society with diet injections and injunctions and so on. But he also said uh, about uh, the creating of, of modification of people through, through gene editing technology, you know, basically. Um, DNA and cellular technology he, he said that, 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 that he was comparing the, the, how the German system in World War II had been a socialist system rushed ahead with the scientists and experimenting on prisoners of war and so on and prison camps whereas he says they had, they had done far more experimentation on different areas 
then, and he he meant genes, you know. The, the, again, the, the the crux of all genes and DNA. That's what the whole. But but he said that the Soviets were not going as far ahead as as, as the Germans had at the time. But he said, whoever wins this race to create new types of humans, especially soldiers, you see, will dominate the planet. And you've had articles after articles on super soldiers, etc., over years in, in magazines and military magazines. And, but they won't, I don't think they'd even need that kind of thing, because really... People are, are going, they're being trained into the acceptance that they should be modified. We should all be modified anyway. It's astonishing, really. I could go on and on about it, but why, why, what's the point of it? And some people say, well, maybe I've said this kind of thing before. But the fact is, they all pretty well quote, all, all the biggies still quote the difference in the projections between Aldous Huxley's Brave New World and George Orwell's 1984 because there were slightly different techniques, but they can both be used in conjunction. And the, the fellow who, who wrote about the, the digital dark age sort of thing, is it possible? He mentions that too. He says maybe it is possible for both of them to coexist with the boot stamping on the face forever, the human face forever. Because we're seeing uh, authoritarianism really come out uh, with this big super parental uh, heavy fist, actually. It's, it's a fist. They're, they're not saying, come on, be nice. No, no, no. no. They're saying, you, you can't say or even think this. This is what it's coming to. You can't think this, you understand. Just like Bertrand Russell again with, with sheep, you know. It would be impossible for them eventually, meaning through incredible conditioning with the children to adulthood, for them to rebel against their conditioning or what they're made to believe or think or do as it would be for the sheep to complain about the price of mutton. And it's all here. And it isn't just the children, because it is lifelong educate. You're constantly being changed with your values. And it's mainly through emotive fiction, by the way. They actually say that, through emotive fiction, to change the way you think, behave, and so on. The privacy of your own mind, the silence that was so important to us all, that people like Yeats talked about, is being eliminated completely. That's their enemy. Because in silence you might think for yourself. Into areas that, that, you, that you should have seen before, but, but you haven't been in that space long enough to, to actually feel it and get a grasp of it, what reality is. Never forget that. So I'll put these links up also. Mortality rates are still rising in the UK, and everyone is ignoring how many more people are dying. It's just a big mystery. Oh, well, no, there are no mysteries. We're studied more minutely than animals are studied, because farmers are going to know anything different about the herd and what's wrong with them. They'll get, they'll get the, there's no concern about sterile. It's all going sterile which means it's obviously intended when there's no... Why have articles like that? And they'll even say, if, if people are dying at this rate, we won't have replacement. Well, wouldn't they also say, it shouldn't we be more fertile? Can we conquer this infertility problem? They don't even mention that. It'd be the first thing you'd think of, wouldn't it? But the farmers, they're farmers, and we're farmed like Charles Fort said, you know. And also, you, you, you've got all this stuff with um, the fake money system, 
by the, mag- the magicians of money. Since it's backed by nothing except IOUs, who owes what to who, that, that's supposedly how it's backed. We don't see the books. We just watch the, the currencies. Look how many articles you, you read about, uh, about uh, like 57,000 pounds, for instance. Back in 1980-something, you would need to, to get to buy what it could buy at that time. You now need about two and a half million pounds. That's the, how the, the currency loses value with every printing of every new series of currency. Because all, it's based on nothing except what's owed. Anyway, we, we know that, that the major cities in the world, Australia's the same boat as Canada and so on, but Australia, China is basically it's laundering massive amounts of money through Vancouver especially, perhaps, but Toronto is, is the same. I can remember reading articles many years ago in Toronto, and some of them were actually going around the houses, I can remember it. Uh, and they'd offer, they'd open briefcases with nothing but money in them to, to, folk, to, to see if they could buy the house off you. No kidding you. But it's a lot of money in, in, in China, and getting put across the water. It's the same, same in Australia. That, and that's what they claim. They admit it now. That's why the, the, the housing uh, is just out of sight now. The real estate investors love it because they encourage it, because they get a bigger cut of all the sales. But the fact is folk at home can't afford the houses anymore. It's out, they're out of sight in how they're pricing them. It's just, there's no real reality. There's no reality base at all in it. So anyway, Australia's housing prices are to fall off a cliff, and China will be to blame, it says. Futurist who foreshadowed 9 11 made shocking prediction. Well, I don't go for the futurist because there's nothing you have to guess at. They always tell you what's going to happen. And sure enough, all the biggies are, which means it's, it's arranged to happen because it's always a political decision when it does happen. It's nothing, it's nothing based on reality. You had 2000 and the 7 8 crash uh, that the biggies all knew about was coming, they even boasted about it and how would they get bailed out. And they, they didn't uh, try to stop it, they made money off of it. There's also an article to do with Australians. Um, so many of them are going to get, uh, pensioners are going to get a, a refund from the government because they're, well, let's be honest, interest rates are, and banks have been down since 2007. It's pretty well almost zero, isn't it? So that's all the money they were told to invest by their governments for retirement is, is worth nothing at all. Except for the big banks, they still take all that savings and they're constantly reinvesting them across the planet on high interest rates. <laughs> it's quite, we're always getting scammed, aren't we? Hey? Hmm? And we accept that all zero interest rates. Well, well, you know, there's always a well, you know. <laughs> Again, I'll put the articles up on Vancouver and Chinese triads. They call it triads laundering billions and... And the same in London and England, though they, at one time, I don't think it pulled London out from after World War II when Britain was just totally broke. It was, uh, at least the people were. And they had huge investments of laundered money going into buildings in London from, guess where, the Soviet Union. For years it kept them afloat from people in the Soviet Union laundering money through London. And even today, they've had articles, some little documentaries on them. I think Pretty Patel had a... She was put in charge of a little civilian debate 
uh, which admitted where folk had said, oh, but these, these buildings here and here and here, they knew the buildings in London, some of them, where the cost supposedly for, for them, the money going through to keep it up, was multi-billions. <laughs> and no one was living in them, and uh, it was laundered money. And she said, well, the government has no political will to do anything about it, meaning nothing's going to happen, because this is obviously what meant to be. Well, it's the same everywhere else too, isn't it? But again, it'll all work out properly, because eventually, remember, there's be no private property. It'll all be owned. The private property will still be there, but only for the big... Uh, moguls across, that'll own them internationally across the world, streets and cities, in fact, eventually. That's, that's the plan, folks, under, don't forget, Agenda 21 for the whole 21st century is the end of private property and the end, of course, of uh, private transportation. Uh, things start to tie together when you understand it, eh? As even an article says, uh, in Australia, can't afford a house in big Aussie yet in a city. Buy an island paradise instead, it'll, it'll only set you back $385,000, which is half the price of the average small house in, in some of the big cities in, in Australia. Ridiculous, but there you go. That's what folk take for reality. Also, whoever leads artificial intelligence will rule the world, and that was President Putin to the Russian children on Knowledge Day, and, and I guess on national television. And of course, the ones who already have been chosen to, to, to rule the world through AI are, are showing their teeth now. It isn't just uh, private uh, individuals, etc. doing it. Although they'll all play their part, even to their peer group, because that's how people behave in society. Even the persecutors of society will all be PC in their own little worlds of uh, Virtue, you know, they have special virtue above everybody else. That's why they have to keep you online. An article from even June, Google staff keep the blacklist of conservative and fringe sites. It's been admitted to, of course, and they've been showing their teeth. It isn't just Google. It's, it's the consortium of this superstructure that said, obviously, to me, to me, my mind, uh, they're all connected, maybe even uh, under uh, under one. It could be one monopoly. Basically, runs all of these things. Has to be. I really think they definitely have to interact with each other on so many levels. And how charities are harnessing the power of virtual reality through um, emotive things, and even the, with these little emotes they call them too that they show you, and they're studying how it works on people. It's like little cartoons to give more money, etc., etc., And the Non-Profits Guide to Augmented Reality, another article, gives 12 examples of inspiring non-profit augmented reality campaigns because it's all to play on your conscience, you see. And they have, again, behavioral insights teams working with them too to make you feel bad or guilty because you're supposed to go into an age of austerity, remember, step by step. And augmented reality changes how people interact and communicate, study finds. And using AR can change where you walk, how well you do on tests, and connect socially. It means how you alter your behavior. Actually mentions that as behavior modification. Use the Stanford Human Interaction Lab and other, other um, associations of universities to do the studies. Amazing how our tax money pays for all the studies on us, which they then use to control you and change your behavior. But I guess we always buy our own chains. We're still slaves. Another article called Future Work Technology 2050, Global Scenarios. 
and this is from the Millennium Project. I'll put articles up on what this they are. So a UN group across the world, actually, through universities, they help, again, coordinate. Everything's coordinated into the oneness system, isn't it? To, to standardize everything. Everything's getting, across the whole planet, everything has to be standardized for the new culture that's being brought in internationally and planned for you and what it is, etc. You had no say in the matter at all. The only participation you have is, your, as I say, you acquiesce, you accept it through your silence and, and your use of it all. You help it all to happen. But you think, I'd, you'd wish it to be a, a, a sentient human being. You would at least demand to know what was going on from the characters that are doing it all. You know? And why they're doing it. But I'll put this up too. And it, and it gives you a lot of what's planned for the future, work-wise, up to the year 2050. And also um, what will happen on the way up to that, that year too. Um, of how many unemployed there'll be, etc. And eventually how, how many folk will have to stay unemployed uh, and just get paid by the state. The very thing that, that uh, Bertrand Russell talked about with their credits getting dished to them and you've got to behave because you're monitored as to what you do with the same thing and so on. The article two uh, about themselves, the Millennium Project, what they are. It's a think tank established in 1996 under the American Council for the United Nations University that became independent in 2009 and has grown to 63 nodes around the world. Everything is standardized and we pay for all. And it's to improve thinking about the future and make that thinking available. Well, you have no say in it, folks. You're supposed to just adapt to it all. <laughs> it's all done, though, isn't it? They know where they're taking you with all the behaviorists and psychologists. And that's where we are with it, too. And also... Just to finish up, maybe, and I'll just touch again on what I mentioned last week from Etienne Gilson on Terrors of the Year 2000, where this expert professor on Middle Age history, the Middle Ages, and theology too, and he was steeped in languages and ancient languages too and deciphering old texts from all, all countries and so on. He'd lived through two world wars, this, this man, and he, he was in the first one, and then he lived through the second one and, and saw. Uh, it makes you think of it all. That there are other, you understand there's other levels above the wars that, that are never mentioned at the time, at least to the, the participants in the wars, but they're the people who do all the fighting and dying and killing. But it, it, it says here in page... Uh, Page 8, actually, Terra's the year 2000. We're going to talk about Nietzsche, of course, who basically came out and said, you know, uh, and there's a big group around Nietzsche too. He was an independent character. That Nothing ever happens on its own, folks. You'd be surprised at the connections and the groups down through time for revolution, for all of this kind of thing. But uh, it says, the demoniac grandeur of Nietzsche is that he does know and that he says so. He knows what's happening in his time. He says, this is not just our imagination. It is enough to read his essay homo, when the remembrance of a fearful event will be fixed to my name, he says. The remembrance of a unique crisis in the history of the earth, of the most profound clash of consciences, of a decree enacted against all that had been believed. Think about this. All that had been believed, all reality. You see? 
exacted and sanctified right down to our days. And he says, I am not a man. I am dynamite. That, that's what he means. That, that, was, that was Nietzsche's response to all that had been before up until then. But the man who'd thrown off the religion or conscience. Remember that the religion's the only thing that gave you reflection on to feel how guilty you should be at certain times. It gave you your conscience. It made you look at yourself. When that's all thrown out and the ego takes over and you become God, you see. You become dynamite. And he said, and after World War II, Nietzsche could have said quite easily, he could have said, if he's still on the go, he could have said that I am the atomic bomb, you see. Or he could have said, in fact, I suppose, what Schumacher said, supposedly, who worked on the bomb, he says, I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. From the Bhagavad Gita. But Gilson goes on to say, when he's talking about Nietzsche, he says, and how right he is, from his very beginning, man had thought nothing, said nothing, done nothing that did not draw his inspiration from the certitude that existed a god or gods. And behold, all of a sudden, there is no longer one, or rather, we see that, that there never was one. We shall have to change completely our every thought, our word and deed. Everything, you see. The entire human order totters on its base, Antichrist is still the, the only one who knows this, the only one who foresees the appalling cataclysm of the reversal of values. Remember that term, reversal of values. That's all reversals of all values, which is in the making. For if the totality of the human past depended on the certitude that God exists, the totality of its future must needs depend on the contrary certitude that God does not exist. But see the folly of men who do not yet know this, or who can continue to act as if two or three among them did not know it already. Everything that was true from the beginning of the human race will suddenly become false. But what will become true? Where he knows it or not, man alone must create for himself a new form of life, which be that of his destiny. Then he goes on, back to Nietzsche and, and, and the whole thing of good becomes evil, evil becomes good. Because nothing, is, all the things which were unthinkable before in a, for your conscience are tossed out the window and there's nothing to stop you. The power mad and the psychopath, this is their world today. And look around you. Look around you. Look at your children strung out on drugs. And they've talked about legalizing a whole bunch of, of the other ones now. I knew that would come too. There's another agenda at work here, obviously. Obviously. Interesting too. I'll just finish up by this little bit again uh, on page nine again of, of uh, Gilson's little book on terrors of the year 2000. And it's right down to the 21st century, actually, you know. And what Nietzsche pretty well said, you know. It says, Nietzsche has divine knowledge of his mission to destroy. When truth opens war on the age-old falsehood, we shall witness upheavals unheard of in the history of the world.
And he uses the terminology that's been used even in the ancient Egyptian histories where they talk about stars falling and earthquakes, etc. That's how they expressed the horror of massive, horrific change, you know. But it says that there'll be earthquakes and twisted earth, the mountains and the valleys will be displaced and everything hitherto imaginable will be surpassed beyond what you can imagine. Politics will then be completely absorbed by the war of ideas and all the combinations of power of the old society will be shattered since they are all built on falsehood. This particular page of Gilson goes on, it says, as I say, politics will be completely absorbed by the war of ideas. Hmm? Oh, communism, humanism, so on, so on, all these different things have been pushed at you, you see. Now, now it's specialist scientific groups. And again, uh, hidden masters are now in your face because they're so awfully rich and they own so much that they must be more intelligent than you, so you should follow them, right? And there's whole teams of PR people behind them, just like speech, you give them speeches, writing speeches for them, just like they do for politicians. There's nothing real out here, but it's a definitely a big, big force, you know, over, over us all right now. Back to the article again, I keep getting off of it. Here's what Nietzsche says is too. It says, um, all the combinations of power of the old society will be shattered since they are all built on falsehood of the past, right? That's what they'll tell you. That's what we're, that's all you hear now. There'll be wars such as the earth will never have seen before Nietzsche, right? It's only with me, that's Nietzsche, that, that the enlightened, completely broken through man, you see, uh, that great politics begin on the globe. I know the intoxicating pleasure of destroying to a degree proportionate to my power of destruction. And Gilson was on Happy Industrial at last that this is not certain because the announcement of a cataclysm of such magnitude ordinarily leaves us but a single escape to disbelieve it and in order not to believe it, to, refu- to refuse to understand it. Isn't that the truth? Eh? If Nietzsche speaks truly, it is the very foundations of human life which are to be overthrown. This is, this is an old book, eh? The very foundations of human life which are to be overthrown. Now, he knew in his day, Gilson, that the Russells and so on were already talking about, again, modifying and even creating new species, etc. He'd read Brave New World too from 1930s, etc., etc. He was quite aware of the big movements. He was, he traveled around the world and gave big speeches and met all the top dogs who were planning the new society. But he says here, he says, before stating what will be true, we will have to say that everything by which man has thus far lived, everything, everything, right? Everything by which he still lives is deception and trickery. That's what you're told. He who would be a creator both in good and evil must first of all know how to destroy and to wreck values. They are, in fact, being wrecked around us and under our very feet everywhere. We have stopped counting the unheard of theories thrown at us under names as various as their methods of thought, each the harbinger of a new truth which it promises to create shortly, joyously, busy preparing the brave new world of tomorrow by first of all annihilating the world of today. And I guess that's it for the moment. I've gone way over what I was going to say. I didn't even plan on saying that last lot. But it's, it's all connected for those who think and who are caught up in reading the news of the day, and oh my God, or ooh, ah. Now everything is connected, and there's definitely a force and a presence in a massive organization that runs many organizations 
underneath it, an existence. And it was in the, an existence in Gilson's day. He knew it too. So from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, member by the Boots and Discs, CuttingTreeMidries.com, take a note of all the sites I have in case any of them go down and see how to order the discs or even donate, just donate to me and help me tick along. I always generally forget to mention that too. And uh, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>